Let's pray. Father, we come before you in Jesus' name. Meet with us here, Lord. Uh, we don't need to, I don't need to impress anybody. We're not here to look good. We're here to listen to your spirit. So speak to our hearts. Help me not to say anything I've prepared that's going to cause anyone any problem. But Lord, speak your word of life by the power of your Holy Spirit. You said if we're if we being evil know how to give good gifts to our children, how much more are you going to give the Spirit? We ask, Lord, give your Spirit to us right now in great measure so we can, yeah, drink that living water, see those chains break off our lives. Thank you for that incredible word. I pray we wouldn't forget it. And I pray right now people would be writing notes to themselves, uh, those areas of their life where they need to obey God right now. They've been putting something off. They need to obey right now. Thank you for Lars and just what an wonderful testimony of faithfulness and obedience he is we pray this in jesus name amen all right it's a little distracting but that's the title how to catch a demon i'm not talking about catch one in a jar i'm talking about catch one like you catch pneumonia or hiv or you know some devastating ailment but um all through the bible you have people who are demonized how does that happen this would be really interesting and again i never know if this is going to work how many of you at some point were horrendously afflicted you may not have known it at the time but you you know now some of you are already raising your hands okay put them down put your hands down you now looking back having studied the word of god you know you were demonized you were being afflicted by demonic powers how many of you know that that was the case and i'm raising my hand because that was me okay so as i as i speak this someone in here is like he's getting all over my case and uh some of these things identify me no it's this is the human experience and according to Jesus, uh, demonic powers are everywhere. And so either we say Jesus was a nut job, he's a crazy man, uh, and we throw our Bibles away and become whatever, materialists, or, or we, no, I think you know what he was talking about, but he helped people in a way that no one in human history has been able to help people. And those who follow him and follow his methods, I've been all over the planet and I've seen all kinds of people try to do all kinds of things and nobody and nothing works as well to set people free as Jesus. But you have to, you have to line up your mind with his mind. And when you go into the conversation with Jesus, you're assuming you're wrong and he's right. Uh, and a lot of us are all bowed up and no, I'm right. I'm right. My life is falling apart and I can't, you know, even hold down my job at Wendy's and my family hates me and I can't keep a relationship going, but I'm right. I'm right. I'm right. Well, there has to come a point in your life. Where you're like, hey, I'm probably wrong. I mean, seriously, I'm I don't know why we're so arrogant like that. Nothing works. And we're like, so, but Jesus is like, no, I'm right. So listen to me. So what I've been doing is I've been thinking, Hey, let's go out to Starbucks with Jesus. Just hang out with Jesus and let's talk about him, you know, talk with him about some subject. And if you see here, we've got Jesus's order here. And it says, for Jesus, uh, not bitter. Ha <laughs> ha, get that? It's not bitter. It's a, it's a mocha latte. Um, 
<laughs> I don't know if he really likes mocha latte, but um, we need to deal with Jesus like a real person. Part of our problem is we 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 think he had some glowing, you know, plate behind his head, and all the apostles did, and they floated off the ground. No, he was like a guy. He sweat. You know, he got hunger. He got tired. He got his feelings hurt. He, the Bible says he was tempted in everything as we are, yet without sin. He was really God who really became a man, but he's really a man. And so he'd let us sit down and talk to him. And we, if he were here, we could talk to him about this. And the reason I'm bringing this up, and it says not bitter here, is because I was praying about, well, what's the next thing? I can do this for the rest of my life. Let's go out to coffee with Jesus. I Seriously, I could preach sermons for the rest of my natural-born life. And probably, you know, 100 lives. Never come to an end of the, the topics we could talk about Jesus. But I was out praying, and I'm like, which one should I hit? And I was thinking, oh, bitterness. Oh, that would be a great one. There's so many people who are bound up by bitterness. And then uh, my good friend Chance, who's a part of the Kansas City Posse, um, he texted me and he said, hey, I'm having a conversation with someone I love about bitterness. He's like, give me some give me some advice. He's like, oh, okay, I'll preach a sermon on that because I was already thinking down those lines. So, um, so what's the deal about the demons? We'll do the math here. If you want to catch a demonic affliction, if you want to catch demonic oppression, I'm going to tell you why I don't like the word possession, even though it's in all the movies. It's not a helpful word, and biblically, it's misleading. I don't even know if I want to give too much explanation. It used to mean something in the English. It doesn't mean now, and so it's very confusing for people. But um, if you want to be demonized, afflicted, oppressed, terrorized, um, and, and all kinds of crazy going on in your mind, and, and manifesting in your relationships and your physical health, hold on to your bitterness. That is an open door to the demonic. And this will make some of you angry, what I'm going to say. A lot of you have memorized the book of James. Let's do it again. How many of you have memorized the book of James? Let's see those hands. That's a, I mean, the whole book. See everybody? It's all five chapters. That's a lot of Bible verses. James says, when the word of God comes to you, he says it's going to make you mad. Why? Because God's going to say, you're wrong. How, do you guys like that when someone says you're wrong? You're like, oh, this is the answer to the problem. No, you're wrong. Immediately we're like, what you talking about? Well, God says, well, that's, gonna, that's a lot of life. When you start walking with God, listening to God, going to the word, he's going to be going, you're wrong, you're wrong. <laughs> I, I remember... One of the coolest salvations we had in Ellsworth, and we had a truckload of cool salvations, and a bunch of them are in this room here. But um, there was a guy uh, named Mark, and before he got, he was this tough guy. He used to be a bull rider. He used to, I mean, maybe Mark listens to my stuff. He used to break people's bones, man. This guy was bad. He was a bad man, like legendary, literally. Like, he's a bull rider. His family owned bars. This guy was and he got saved. And then another radical conversion I told you about, a guy named Danny, he, one of the things he said was, I want to go to the church where Mark goes. I'm, I can't believe Mark goes to church. I just want to see where this guy goes. But I remember Mark said one time, he said, when I, he said, when I first came to church, he said, every Sunday, I felt like I was being assaulted. Not physically, but just like 
God has given him a beat down. Do you think anybody out there ever feel like that when you started seeking the Lord? I felt assaulted. Sex, you're wrong. Marriage, you're wrong. Parenting, you're wrong. You know, how to deal with your pain, you're wrong. There's that thing coming up. Get rid of that. But Jesus is right. We're wrong. So we're at the coffee with Jesus. But before I get into all this bitterness stuff, because it's very important. Boy, should This, we're going to get real, real quick here. We're going to be able to hear a pin drop, except with some of the babies in the back. They don't care. But childhood sexual assault. Not even the babies. They got serious, too. Childhood sexual assault. Um, you're not the only one. There's a huge percentage of people in this room that were sexually abused as a child. It is one of the most difficult things for a human being to process, walk away from, become a healthy human being. People hide it for their entire lifetime. They won't tell their therapist. They won't tell their family. They won't tell their friends. And then they come up with all kinds of other excuses when they know it probably goes back to this, when my identity was destroyed, when my sense of self-worth was destroyed, when my conception of God blew up. So uh, it's things like that in our lives that a lot of times we'll plan to God. And the problem is your sin. God is perfect. God is loving. God is good. God can't dwell with sin. God can't tolerate sin. You know why God can't tolerate sin? Because sin destroys people. If you want to hold on to your sin and you want to destroy people, you and him can't hang. It's never going to happen. He says you either figure out you either figure out what you're going to do about that sin issue or you and I can't be friends. He wants to be your friend. But all your lying, cheating, stealing, all this destructive stuff that you've done. All right. <clears throat> the gospel is you are on one side of a chasm you can never cross. God loves you. Your problem is your sin. Don't look at anybody else. That's one thing that's going to keep you from God. Don't say, I wouldn't have if they hadn't. I wouldn't have if life had been fair. If God hadn't set me up like this, I wouldn't have. Just own your filth. That's the only way to get across. Uh, some of you guys have been in jail or prison or dealt with the legal system. How well does that work with the judge? I wouldn't have if they hadn't. Yeah, it doesn't work. We're, we're getting it right from the people who... It doesn't work. It doesn't work with God. You know, well, if I, you know, if I had been dealt with fairly, I wouldn't have. You broke the law. Well, you broke, you've broken God's law. And God only sets up his law on the basis of love, which means the things that you've done, lying, cheating, stealing, taking from others sexually what didn't belong to you, all kinds of things. It destroys his universe and it destroys other people. And we've all sinned, the Bible says, and fallen short of the glory of God. So we have this chasm. And we will, can never make it to God. You say, okay, from today on, I'm going to start telling the truth. I'm going to start walking in purity. I'm going to start working hard. I'm going to start honoring my parents. Anyone ever try that? How well did that turn out for you? You, you got worse, right? It's, like, it's that horrible night where, where the hall gets longer and longer. You try to straighten it out. You realize, this is getting worse. 
I literally, when I was younger, I had a physical breakdown because I was trying to do the get better and better thing. And I realized, no, the more, the more I try to get better, the worse I realize I am. The only way for you to reach over to that other side and have a relationship with God is to receive his gift of forgiveness. God said, I will give you a pass. Not by just winking and saying, well, pretend it never happened, but I'll give you a pass. And that's why one of the main reasons Jesus Christ was sent to earth. There's two main reasons he was sent to earth. One is to take care of our sin problem. The other one was to tell us who God is. A lot of people miss that second one. But Jesus was sent to earth to fix your sin problem. You, you uh, were worthy of death because of your sin. God loved you. So his only begotten son put on human flesh and blood, came to earth, died in your place so you wouldn't have to die. He died your death so you could be reconciled to God. That's the gospel. If you will come to God and you'll say, God, forgive me, I am a sinner. And don't argue with him about, well, but I want to keep this sin and I don't really agree with you on that. And say, God, no, I know I'm a sinner. Forgive me. Don't tell him, I, I need to hold on to the sin because I don't know how to stop. He'll give you the power to stop. You just have to admit, you're right, I'm wrong. Stop arguing with him. Forgive me. I will follow you. Put your spirit inside me. Give me the power to follow you. That's the day your new life begins. But only when you do that can you get free of bitterness. Because he gives you his Holy Spirit, so then you have the power to do what you absolutely could not do otherwise. I hope this is making sense. But I wanted to start with the gospel. We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The wages of sin is death. We're all separated from God. The scripture says uh, God demonstrated his love towards us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. If we believe that Jesus died for us, he rose again on the third day. This is the gospel. This is the whole centerpiece of the Bible. Everything's pointing to this moment. Um, Jesus said it, we need to be born again if we want to enter the kingdom of heaven. Being born again is being forgiven, making a new commitment to follow, receiving his Holy Spirit. That's where you have to go. But then what you need to do is make sure that you walk free of bitterness. Because even after you're saved, any sin in your life, it doesn't mean you don't belong to God, but any sin in your life that you willfully commit and you don't renounce is like an open door for the demonic. And it ain't any fun being demonized. It's where suicidal thoughts come from. It's where self-harm comes from. It's those voices in the head. It's those compulsions that you can't stop. It's those feelings that just get, make you want to scream. I was reading, uh, well, actually, I wasn't reading. There's a good book by this guy, but he had been sexually abused as a child, and he said he used to like to go out by the, um, where the trains came by so he could scream. Because you know what? It ain't any fun. So, but bitterness is one of those open doors. It's hatred for other people. That opens us up to the demonic. And so I, I just wanted to talk a little about this. And again, the, the devil, doesn't, he doesn't want you to hear this. So honestly, some of us who maybe ha are struggling with this, we might feel sick. We might just have feelings of hatred rise up towards me. You might have like confusing thoughts in your head. Um, so God, we just pray in Jesus' name. We'd have ears to hear. And Satan, we bind you in Jesus' name. And we agree, get out of here. We, re we renounce you. We command you to shut your lying mouth. In Jesus' name, Holy Spirit, we welcome you so people could hear and be set free. We pray this in the powerful name of Jesus. It's above every name. Amen. So 
I'm talking to Jesus and I'm like, okay, Jesus, uh, we're really into psychology now. And um, we're telling people that, uh, you know, your depression, your anxiety, your compulsions, it's all biological. It has no, no cause and effect. It's nothing to do with your decisions. You can kind of do whatever you want. Um, and then we just kind of med people up to get these the voices in the head to stop or the compulsions to stop. Or but we, you know, we can fix everything now with medicine, medically. Uh, but you seem to act like everybody who was had psychological issues, you seem to act like virtually all of them had demonic problems. And uh, again, we have the Bible. This will be his answers will be coming from the Bible. So uh, could, could you explain a little bit of that whole process to us, what it looks like, why it happens? <clears throat> and I think Jesus might say, well, why don't we go to one of the more detailed examples? It's pretty much on every other page in the Gospels. If you take the, de the demonic out of the, the gospel narrative, there's not really much of a story left. Satan's the king of the demons, and so he first of all has this showdown with him, Luke 4, Mark 1, Matthew 4, Luke 4. He has this kind of showdown with the devil, and then he goes around just kicking all the demons' heads in and setting people free. That's kind of the story of the gospel, the gospel narrative. And then he goes and dies for all our sins so he can claim us permanently. <clears throat> but just, you know, it's like, well, all right, well, let's look at one of these narratives where this comes up a lot. So he went to the other side into the country of the Gadarenes, two demon-possessed men. Okay, so right there, uh, yes, you're allowed to scratch words out of your Bible, and a lightning bolt is not going to come down and hit you because the Bible was written, originally written in Hebrew and Greek, a little bit of Aramaic, and all the English translations are just somebody's rendering of the Greek. So they're not a million different Bibles saying a million different things. They're a whole bunch of different Bibles trying to say, speak from one original Greek text with some really smart guys making minor decisions in, you know, should I say I went to the store or um, he was going to the store or, you know, I mean, they're like little nuances. So this demon possessed word, it's very confusing. And I just want to explain it to you for a minute. You take the word demon and then you have it in the Greek. It almost makes sense. Even if you don't know Greek, it's the daimon and demon. It's pretty easy. If you put, if you make it into a verb, you just put a verbal ending on it. It'd be like putting I-Z-E-D on the word demon in English. So they're demonized. They're afflicted by a demon. When you say possessed, it sounds like the demon owns them, and that's why we get all confused. And they're like, well, I'm a Christian, so I'm owned by Jesus, so a demon can't touch me, so I'm bulletproof. And then the devil's laughing at you, because then he can just kick your head in for the rest of your life, and you say, well, it couldn't be a demon, because... I'm bulletproof because of the, you know, this word demon-possessed. No, you're demonized. You're afflicted. You can still be afflicted. And if you're a Christian who has bitterness in your heart, you've got an open door. So anyway, I'm just clearing that up for you. So do you, that's why I don't like the word demon-possessed. And some of you guys still don't understand why I'm hung up on it. It's because you're not owned by the demonic when you're afflicted by them. Just like you're not, I mean, you can be afflicted by a lot of things. If you have, a, you know, a bully Next door is giving you a hassle, you know, or at school when you're a little kid, you know, some beat you up, takes your lunch money, stuffs you in a locker. He doesn't own you. He's terrorizing you. So the same with this, this, this idea in scripture. Demons like to terrorize, even if they don't own you, even if Jesus owns you, they can still terrorize you. So anyway, they went to, the, to this country, the Gadarenes, two demonized men confronted him as they were coming out of the tombs. They were extremely violent. So... <clears throat> In the Bible, the first three books, 
of the New Testament are Matthew, Mark, Luke. So those books are very similar, very, very similar. Um, it's almost like Mark is outlined with a few details, and then Matthew puts in his details, and Luke puts in his details, but a lot of the same stories. So you can compare them to get a much fuller picture of what was happening. So in this passage, we see this guy is violent. And when we look at all of these passages together, I'm going to show you some, what you say, symptoms of being demonized. Violent, as in angry, as in I hate people. Anybody ever been there? Exceptionally strong. When you're under the influence, uh, you can do things that surprise you. Tormented. Like this guy that used to like to go out by the trains and scream. When I was demonized, I was in Bible college. No, Bible college students go, don't get demonized. Absolutely. I was in the historic Moody Church, and I'm thinking, I was thinking to myself, how do I feel? How could I verbalize what I feel is going on in my soul? I said, oh, I have a, I have a nice kind of picture. Um, I feel like I'm chained to the bumper of a truck, and I'm being dragged down a road, and my flesh is being torn off, and I'm screaming. That's how I feel inside. So, tormented, self-harming. I think if a person is suicidal, that is, ver I'm not going to, I don't always, I don't ever say always, but virtually always, you, you got demonic issues going on. But self-harming, cutting themselves, wanting to kill themselves, um, and a lot of times it's related to bitterness. There's an open door, and that, and this, this makes people mad, because they don't want to believe that this is their problem, and if they protect these issues and the devil keeps winning the day but i was demonized and i'm free and i'm telling you free is way better i heard some weak amens free is way better Amen. it's way better. way better i know some of you guys i walked some of you guys out of here crazy way better self-harming confrontational fighting 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 gotta fight with everybody fight 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 everybody everybody's wrong fight 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 that's often a sign of the demonic Shameless. And one of the interesting things in the book of Mark, we see this dude didn't wear clothes. He's like, I don't care what anybody thinks. I just gonna let it all hang out and heck, heck with you all, you know? There's a lot of people like that in our culture. Should I get graphic here? When you say see some 300 pound hairy dude wearing lingerie and marching down the street in a uh, parade. So that dude's demonized, man. Same kind of thing. I don't care. I don't care what anybody thinks. Shameless. Wants to be alone. Doesn't like to be around people. Because in one of the narratives, I'm picking all these details out of all these narratives. He'd often go off to the desert. Just he can't stand to be around people. These are just different symptoms. I'm not saying everybody has them all. But if you compare these different narratives, you see, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and you even see yourself in some of these. I mean, I was never, like, exceptionally strong. You know, like, don't lift the car. You know, but I knew a little kid that was demonized that I helped who was. He was this little ball of goo. He's 12 years old. Just a little chubby, squishy little kid. And you need three adult men. to. He could throw them around. 
when he'd come under this influence. So you're not going to have everyone. Like, I was never suicidal. And my issue was I was afraid of hell. So I was like, well, I can't kill myself because I think I might go to hell. So, so I'm not saying you're going to have every single one. But these are just, if you got three or four of these, you know, perk up. And another one was homeless. So it's, I'm just, again, people get mad at me. I'm like, I'm just telling you what's in the Bible here. So, uh, so if we look at these different narratives. Uh, so he's got an unclean spirit. No one was able to bind him. Screaming, cutting himself. This is Mark's version. Shouting with a loud voice when Jesus came up, like in his face. And the interesting thing is, at the end here, he says, we are many, which means you can have more than one. He called himself a legion. I don't know how many you can have. So what does Luke say? Um, no clothing. Not living in a house. Driven by the demons into the desert. Um, and it said many had entered him. So, um, so I'm talking to Jesus. I'm like, okay, Jesus, that doesn't sound very fun. So like, um, what is, how does this come about in a person's life? And these are the words of Jesus. He would say things like this. When an unclean spirit goes out of a person, so say Jesus casts the demons out of this, this guy, because he did in that story, cast them out. What, what happens to the demon? So it's like he goes through a waterless place seeking rest. There's something about attaching themselves to us that give them some kind of, I don't know, reprieve or whatever from their misery. They're like little parasites. So he says, so Jesus casts one out, you know, so he, like he did with this man. He casts them out. And the demons are begging him, don't cast us out. He casts them out. And they go into a bunch of pigs and they run over a cliff and they kill all the pigs, which gives you a clue as to what the demons are up to in your life. They want to kill you. That's what they want to do. But humans are way more sophisticated than pigs. So, you know, they just go into the control center of a pig and just go, you know, forward off the cliff and they're dead. They get into your control center, man. You got dials and knobs all over the place. They're like, oh, my goodness, we got to work this guy. He didn't get a little red wagon when he was a kid. His uncle, you know, mistreated him. His dad left him. We got to work all this stuff together. He's got positive influences in his life. His grandma's praying for him. We got a mess here. We still want to drive him over the cliff. <clears throat> well, anyway, Jesus said this, when a demon goes out of a person and passes through waterless places seeking rest, doesn't find it. Where is it going to find any sort of rest? Tormenting you. So it says, I'm going to go back to my house. They think they own you. I'm going to go back to my house. Yeah, Jesus maybe kicked me out. Maybe that church prayed for that guy. I could like, so many of you guys could be my visual aid right now. Yeah, maybe this church, they prayed for him. And they, and they got rid of me, I'm going to go check and see if the doors are all sealed up and shut. I'm going to go back to my house, from which I came. When it comes, it finds it vacant, swept and put in order. Yeah, the demon's gone, the voices are gone, compulsions are gone, the addictions are gone, the perversion is gone, the everything. I'm peaceful now, but the demon comes back, he hasn't dealt with a sin issue. It goes and brings seven other spirits more wicked than itself, and they come and live there. And then things are even worse. So this is, these are the words of Jesus, so this should actually be in red. So I'm talking to Jesus in Starbucks. I'm like, seriously? So, so when you cast a demon out of a person, 
He says the demon goes away, and then it comes back, and it's kind of like sniffing around. Hey, is there a window open? Is there a door open? What's the window or the door, Jesus? If you study the Bible, I don't know that you can find a door that is a bigger access point for the demonic than, the, than bitterness. Sexual immorality is a huge access point. Those of you who are sexually immoral, the reason God hates it is because it, it opens you up to the demonic and destruction, and it destroys people, but it also will destroy you ultimately. That's a big one. You can get straight involved in the occult. You know, you can get involved in, and a bunch of you guys were in here. I, I don't want to embarrass you guys. I could, if I did the hand raising thing, a bunch of people were into Wicca and black magic and voodoo and trying to, you know, talk to the dead. And you're like, I thought I was the only one. That's one of the lies of the devil. You're the only one. I thought I was the only one who was sexually abused. No, it's like a huge percentage of the church. I thought I was the only one who did the occult. I thought I was the only one who was a sexual pervert. Welcome to the human race. And if you're not in a church that doesn't talk about these things, then that church is cooperating with the devil, making everybody feel like they're the only one when it's three-quarters of the congregation. Now, there are some nice people that didn't experience any of this, but you better wake up and realize most of the world has gotten pretty messy while you weren't watching. So, yeah, the occult and even, even greed. That's how Judas Iscariot was demonized. The devil, the devil himself, Satan himself, could go in and out of Judas Iscariot through the open door of greed. He sold his best friend. Gosh, I got so many files. This is not theory. This is like real life stuff. I know a guy who killed his best friend over drug money, pushed him off a cliff. Same demonic power that was driving Judas. So, but the biggest one, the biggest one that will get you demonized, I can't say the biggest other words, but the one that's talked about the most in the Bible is bitterness. The hatred for another human being. And another thing is, it's not just another human being, it's another person. So even hatred towards God, which a lot of people have. A lot of people have hatred towards God. They don't even know it. Some people who are pastors and missionaries and Bible college students have a hatred towards God. They didn't even know, that'll, that'll open you up to the demonic. And again, we got people right here in this room. We're out of their blinking minds, ticked off at God, demonized, going over the cliff. And God said, you got to get this bitterness thing out. So Jesus says, this is how it works. And he tells us a story about bitterness. And I can't go through it all. You guys can do all your, oh, first of all, Jesus would say, oh, yeah, this is so important in my big prayer, the big prayer I gave you guys that most people mindlessly say, you know, religious people say sometimes 10, 20 times a week. They don't even think about it. They just parrot it. Oh, I want a cracker. You know, our father in heaven. How would be your name? They don't even think about what they're saying. Jesus said, well, I really wanted you to think about it. I wanted you to work through it. I wanted to change your life. But this forgiveness thing is so important. Out of just a handful of points that I made, I didn't say, God, help me not to be sexually immoral. It doesn't say, God, help me to tell the truth. It doesn't say, I mean, a million, God, keep me away from the black magic. God, keep me away from shady business. It says, forgive us our debts as we have forgiven. It's so important that out of just a handful of the biggest things he told us we should pray for every day, 
I said, make sure you're forgiving everybody. This is the Lord's Prayer. And then after the Lord's Prayer, he says, because if you don't forgive, you're not going to be forgiven. Look, well, that's not very fair. That's not very nice. And again, the mechanics of it are a little technical. It's not like God's up there going, I'm not going to forgive you. It's because you've opened yourself up. It's the way the rules are. You've opened the door to the demonic. And, the, and Satan knows that. And it's the way God set up the game. So God's saying, don't open that door. Because if you open that door, you're going to be afflicted, that bitterness door. You have to get this out of your life. So, um, oh, this is, I'm going to go back here so you don't get distracted. So he tells a story about a guy. Uh, it's called the Unmerciful Servant, and it's in Matthew 18. And there's a guy, he owes millions of dollars. He's a slave, and he owes millions of dollars. So it's, it's a situation that cannot be fixed. Um, how's a slave going to earn $20 million? You can't earn $20 million. I can't earn $20 million. We can't even scrap enough money together to get a building, so we have to meet in this community center. So how in the world is a slave going to earn $20 million? It's not going to happen. So, but, so Jesus is setting this all up. The slave owes all this money, and, the, and this master says, I'm going to have to sell you, sell your wife, sell your kids. You know, i got to make some kind of you know, recoup here on my losses. And the guy falls down on the ground, and he, you know, oh, so please don't separate me from my family, whatever. And says, the master has compassion. Oh, man. I'm, you love your wife, don't you? You love your kids. All right, dude. <sighs> you know, what's $20 million anyway? He forgives him. So then dude goes out, finds someone who owes him about 100 bucks. He's just been forgiven. 20 million bucks, he goes out, finds someone, owes him 10 bucks, grabs him by the throat. <laughs> and so then some of the other some of the other slaves see what this guy did, and they go tell the master, and the master says, throw that dude in prison, give him to the torturers. And then this is how the story ends. Should you not also have had mercy on your fellow slave in the same way that I had mercy on you? What business did you have holding out for 100 bucks? When I just forgave you $20 million, the master moved to anger, handed him over to the torturers until he should repay all that was owed him. My heavenly father will also do the same to you if each of you does not forgive his brother from your heart. Like, see, I knew God was this horrible, mean. No, I have, I have wheels and gears there. The Bible sometimes says things as quickly as possible, but it's not going to all the details of how it works out. God is not, God doesn't have to, all God has to do is go in heaven and weep when you hold bitterness in your heart because the way he set up the game, the devil says, I have a right. I have a right to go tear that person up. And God said, yep, that's the way I set it up. So well, I don't think you should do that. I don't think you should have set the game up that way. Well, that's why you're not the fourth member of the Trinity. There's this, this human existence is a very fine-tuned thing. He had to give us freedom. He had to give us an ability. He had to give us there's a certain risk factor built in. He has these angelic spirits, and they have rules that they have to play by. If every time we were going to do something wrong, God butted in and like paralyzed us, we'd get pretty angry. We like our freedom. And so God says, okay, with your freedom is going to come consequences. One of those consequences is if you have bitterness in your heart, those demons get to tear you up. You can study it further. But this is all just, he's stating this very quickly, but God doesn't have to do anything. It's you're in this game, and this is the way it works. If you have bitterness towards another human being, you have an open door to the demonic. 
That's just the way it is. I can, we can talk all afternoon about why that happens. That's why you have those voices in your head. That's why you have those compulsions. That's why you have those night terrors. That's why you want to cut yourself. That's why you have these angry thoughts in your head. That's why you, that's why you burst down in anger at people for no good reason is because you have not worked this through. So again, this is, these are Jesus' words. Yeah, there's a lot of technical stuff here. So the Apostle Paul gives us a little, a little more explanation about how this works. But in the middle, if you look here at verse 27, do not give the devil a place. He's talking to Christians. How would I give the devil a place? Uh, let's go up to 22. The old self being corrupted in accordance with the lusts, deceitful lusts. Okay, you're opening the door through your lust, your physical desires that you're using in a way that don't honor God. Uh, be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Learn to think like Jesus. Put on the new self. So let's go down to 25. Lay aside falsehood. You can open up to the demonic through lying. Speak truth to each one with his neighbor. Now, this is only for born-again people. If you're not born again, you can't do any of this. But for you who are born again, you need to make sure you're not walking in bitterness, but you're also not walking in dishonesty. It says, be angry, but don't sin. Don't let the sun go down your anger. Now, this is the bitterness piece. You're going to get angry this week. I, I don't know if anybody in here is mad at me, but people in here have been mad at me before. There's people in here I've been mad at. And we've had misunderstandings. God says, don't go to bed before you sort that out. Why not? Even, even these little bitternesses, don't give the devil a place. Tapas. It's like a geographical chunk of land in your soul. If you go to bed angry, there's a possibility the devil's going to plant his flag there, and he's going to start working out. And what's his end game? He's going to chew you up, spit you out, take you out. He's going to destroy you. Oh, but I'm born again. I said a little percentage prayer at Bible club when I was five years old, so I'm bulletproof. Nonsense. You're not reading your Bible. This bitterness thing will destroy you. <clears throat> so how do we... I'm not even going to go there. That's uh, too much stuff. Okay. We already went over the Lord's Prayer. So when you are bitter, what you've done, I like to use this analogy, what you do is you uh, basically build a prison in your mind. And this is part of your torment. All right. There's that person that ripped me off. There's that teacher that was unfair to me. There's that lover who cheated on me. There's that person who abused me. There's that friend who ruined my reputation. And we just make a cell for everybody. We build this prison. And that's, that's what bitter people do. A lot of times the very first cell is, and again, go back to that childhood sex abuse thing. That, that's a brutal thing, but it starts with that uncle. Some people, father figure, that brother, that cousin. That's the first cell we build. And then it gets really easy. You know, it's a lot easier to add on you know, to a house than it is to start from ground floor. We build this big prison, and that's where we live a lot of our time. And the only other person in there with us are the demonic powers. The people aren't there. They don't care you built your prison. They're never going to come into your prison. They're out enjoying life, and that's what makes you crazy, that they won't come into your prison where you can get at them. The only one in there is you and your demons. 
you got to blow that thing up. How do you do it? First of all, you need to come before Holy God, who loves you deeply, loves you more than you can comprehend. But what's he like? Jesus. He's exactly like Jesus. Everybody that wanted forgiveness, Jesus forgave them. Everybody that wanted healing and would come and receive it, he'd heal them. Everybody that wanted to be his friend, he'd let him be his friend. That's the way God is. There's not God the Father, the mean crank in the sky, and Jesus the nice guy. Nope, Jesus said he would see me as seeing the Father. But you have, you have offended and blasphemed this God and destroyed his creation and destroyed people around you. You've hurt people. You, you're destroying all the beauty that he's, he's set up. You need to come before me and say, all right, I'm not going to point at anybody else. Maybe they helped me get there. Maybe they made me angry. Maybe they hurt me. When I, but I did this. I, I have my own will. I picked up my will, and I've used it. I need you to forgive me and cleanse me. That's where it's got to start. You come before this God who loves you. So would you will you forgive me, cleanse me? They say, yes, I can do that because Jesus Christ paid your debt. Receive it just as a gift. Well, don't I have to quit smoking or don't I have to, you know, start coming to church for a few months? But no, I'll forgive you right now. Like John Wesley said, like a lightning strike from heaven. Right now, all I got to just take it. You'll never be able to earn it. Don't even try. So, all right. I, I believe Jesus died for my sins. I believe he rose from the dead. Forgive me, cleanse me, and fill me with your Holy Spirit. Change my desires. Give me the power to live a holy life. I want to be yours. I want you to be mine. You say that to God, he does it. And part of that is, God, I don't even know how not to feel angry, not to feel pain, not to feel frustration at what happened to me. But as a, you got to do this as an act of my will. And because you're going to give me the power to do it, I will forgive and some of you are like, well, you might as well ask me to lift a Greyhound bus over my head. I can't forgive. You just tell God that you will. He'll give you the power to do it. One of the most beautiful stories of forgiveness, and a lot of you guys have heard this a bunch of times, Corey Ten Boom, which uh, I don't think that clock back there works, so I have no idea where I'm at. Oh, we're okay, 1147. Corey Ten Boom, her, she was in the Nazi uh, concentration camp. And uh, there was a particularly bad guard who was particularly brutal to her sister. Uh, and her sister ended up dying in that concentration camp. Uh, her father was killed in the concentration camp. I mean, Nazi wickedness. And then Corrie Boom, when she got out, she went around Germany preaching the forgiveness and love of God to Nazis. And then one day she saw in the back of the room that very guard. And the guard came up, didn't recognize her. I wish I could do a German accent, but I can't. It's so wonderful that God has forgiven us, blah, blah, blah. Um, I love your talk. Shake my hand. And she was going, oh, in her humanness. You of all people. My sister's dead. You brutalized her. You brutalized me. You're the one. God said, Choose it. Choose it. Now, this is only for the born again. He doesn't, give us, he doesn't give us gifts if you're not born again. You're on your own. You can't do it. 
He said, look, I forgave you everything. I'll give you the power to forgive. She, as an act of her will, put her hand out, saying, I chose to for choose to forgive, took this Nazi's hand, and she said, the love of God poured into her. She could feel it pouring into her and released her to truly forgive this person as God forgave. It's your will. Some of you guys put on the prayer thing. Pray that God would help me too. Pray that God would help me to forgive. Pray that God would help me to whatever. Uh, uh, what's going to get that ball rolling is you tell God, God, I will. I will. You know I don't have the strength to do it. I don't have the feelings to do it. I don't even know how it works. But I'm going to do it because I know that's what you want, and I signed up to be your slave. You're my Lord. I'm your slave. So I'm going to do it because that's what you want. So you're going to have to give me the power to do it. And if this doesn't make sense to you, come talk to me. You're not the only person. Again, we're doing this childhood sexual abuse. You're not the only person in this room that's gone through that. We've got horror stories in here. And some of you are like, oh, you've not heard my story. I bet you I can beat you. Not my personal story, but there's someone in this church that's got you beat for horror in that category. Anybody can experience freedom because it's the resurrection power of God in us. And then those of us who have less to forgive. Well, my dad was never there for me. He didn't come to my high school sports events. The person who was sexually abused is like, you big wimp. What the heck? You baby. He didn't throw the ball around with me in the park. Whatever. He worked too hard. It doesn't matter what it is. I mean... None of us have the strength to do any of it. I didn't mean to offend anybody. If, if your dad didn't throw the ball around and that bothers you, you still got to forgive him. Whether it's the smallest thing or the greatest thing, whether it's, whether it's even something in this church, why don't they ask me to X, Y, Z? Why am I not? Whatever. The smallest irritation to the, I want to murder that person. We got to get it all out because it is this open door. We've created this prison. How do we do it? This is one of the reasons we memorize James. Submit to God. What does that mean? It means I'm born again, and then I say, God, I'm going to obey you. Once you tell me what to do, I'm going to obey you. That's what submit means. And then, yeah, like Lord was saying, and then resist the devil. How do you do that? When you're obeying God, you are resisting the devil. When you're obeying God, you're shutting the door. When you're forgiving others, the people that have hurt you, he has no access points. And it says the devil will flee from you. Draw near to God. He'll draw near to you. How do you draw near to God? God, I'm sorry for holding on to this bitterness. I'm sorry for hating this person. I'm sorry for wanting this person dead. I release them. And the same forgiveness that I've experienced from you, I choose to extend to them. Give me the power to do it. And he will. He says, cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. All, that's a that's a kind of a phrase all through the Bible. Your hands represent your outward actions. Start doing the right things, but your heart, like Bart, uh, like like uh, <laughs> not Bart, <laughs> Lars, sorry, Bart Simpson, but uh, Lars, <laughs> um, do it with a joyful heart. Do it with the right attitude. Cleanse your hands, your sinners. Purify your heart. Your double mind. Do the right thing. Pray for 
God to give you his heart towards others? Right attitude, miserable mourn, weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning. Enjoy to go. Stop making excuses. They don't deserve it. Neither do you. Why do you deserve it? Stop pointing the finger. Deal with yourself. Jesus said, deal with yourself. Get the speck out of your eye. Get, actually, get the log out of your eye. Then you can help people. The reason you can't help people is because you think you should get a pass and nobody else should. The only person you can change is you. But this bitterness thing, we got to choose to forgive. I would bet you half of this room has got someone coming to mind right now. Even you mature Christians, we slip into this, don't we? Oh, man. Yeah. I called, oh, I've got to tell you a funny story. I called, I've been writing my book this week. I couldn't talk, so I've been writing my book. And I really incredible, really kind guy I know who's a very influential theologian. And I was chatting with him. Well, he, one of his protege students totally went off the rails, <clears throat> walked away from the faith. I said, hey, I'm going to throw him a line. I'm going to start chatting with him. This dude was mean as a rattlesnake. And he started, like, calling me names. And uh, there's a part of me, I was like, you know, dude looks like he's 175 pounds sopping wet. I was like, I could throw him through a wall. I, mean, I, could, I was like, I, I, I'm pretty good with words, man. I could start dishing up some stuff, you know. I can, I can do a little joust. And I was like, no, no, no. That's not the way we play. Not the way we do it. Even when we're mature, even when we're, this is going to come up all the time. And it's, you know, I talked to Susan about it. Let's pray God's forgiveness. Dude's in bondage. He's mad at God. That's his problem. He's a theologian. Guess what his problem was? Childhood sexual abuse. He has no idea how to reconcile his theology to his childhood sexual abuse. So he basically he's so enraged at God that he walked away from it all. Some of you guys have that problem. We can work it through. The problem's not God. The problem is what you think of God. Big difference. You find out who he really is, you're going to be fine. The devil has tweaked what you think about him. Same with this guy. But a lot of us in here, we've got to say, God, I choose to forgive. I choose to forgive that father that wasn't there, that father that cheated on my mom, my mom that cheated on my dad, that friend who ruined my reputation, that person I loved who cheated on me, whatever. I choose not because I feel it, because I choose it. Pick up your will and use it, and God will back you up. So, how do you catch a demon? One of the best ways is to hate somebody. Bitterness. Have a prison cell in your mind. How do you know? There's a couple indicators. If you think about this person and how that wrong needs to be righted, I have like a scale here. It's got to be righted. They need to be caught. They need to pay. The rest of the family needs to know. It has to be taken care of. Um, you think that there's some cosmic justice that needs to be settled? You stay up at night thinking about it. Or maybe you want to settle it. You want to run them down your car, right? You want to slander them. You think about them all the time. Another thing, though, here's a more subtle way. You just relegate them to the nether realms of the galaxy. It's a more subtle kind of hatred and bitterness. I just don't even need you anymore. Don't even, I'm not going to think about you ever. God showed me a few years ago that I had a bunch of people in that category. I thought I was free of bitterness because I, I just relegated them off. Because I know you need to pray for them, love them, and bless them. 
actively forgive them. I was like, whoa, I didn't even know that was a category of bitterness. But this, it, Jesus said, this is so serious that every time we pray, we should be thinking this through. Every single day, we should be making sure we don't just catch the slightest little you know, whiff of this. We make sure we're, we're giving away the forgiveness that we've received from God. Or else, we have an open door, could lead to demonic affliction, and ultimately destruction, like those pigs over the cliff. And a lot of us have been close to that cliff. God's pulled us back. A lot of us are experiencing a lot of freedom now. Freedom is nice. Freedom is nice. And you can be free. I'm, I'm serious. People don't like me saying stuff. You can be off your meds. You can be off your meds. I mean, because we do it. We've seen it all the time in here. You don't have to go to your therapist once you get this sorted out. Free is nice. The voices in the head, gone. Shut the door. Surrender to Jesus. Open up your heart to the Spirit. Let's pray. Father, we come before you in Jesus' name. I thank you, Lord, for peace of mind, because I know chaos of mind. I thank you, Lord, for sweet relationships and friendships and but it's all from you lord it's not because i'm some great guy it's because you put your truth out there and uh you offer it to everybody and i pray lord if there's someone in here who needs freedom lord they wouldn't make excuses they'd realize you have the answers they'd run to you jesus work in our hearts have your way we pray this in jesus name Amen. Hold on. I don't know. I'm not good at altar calls or any of that. I'm not going to do an altar call. I'm not going to pull out the accordion and play just as I am and have you all come down. But um, did God speak to anybody here about forgiveness that needs to? Um, and you're going to do something about it? Okay. I will ask you. Stand up. God spoke to you about bitterness. You're going to do something about it. Good. Awesome. Now, combine this with what Lars said. You're not going to do it next week. You're not going to do it next year. You're not going to do it when things seem more opportune. One of the, one of the first things you do, tell somebody, get them praying with you. Tell some friends. Come up with a plan. Ask God for wisdom. And a lot of you, a lot of you guys sitting here, God's going to hit you with this later. This is huge. We need to be free. So let's just say a prayer, all of us together, kind of like we do for these people that have stood up. Because this is a big, big deal. We want them free. So let's all pray together just that God helps all these individuals. And if you're near them and you love them, go ahead and, you know, if they're cool with it, you know, put your hand on them and let them know you support them. So, Father, we just lift up these individuals who have stood. Lord, break the power of evil, of hatred, of bitterness. I pray they wouldn't call it anything but what it is. Your word says it's a spirit of murder. It's ugly stuff. We just pray in Jesus' name you'd set them free. Satan, we just say in Jesus' name you're defeated. Your power over these individuals is broken. Holy Spirit, we welcome you to fill them. We pray for people who aren't born again yet that this would be the day of salvation for them. And Lord God, we ask in Jesus' name for more testimonies of freedom and joy. We pray for release. 
We commit them into your hands. We thank you for your work. We thank you for your word. We thank you, Jesus, that you set the captives free. We thank you for those of us who experience freedom every day. We just praise you. Thank you for the truth and the power of your word. We pray this in your name. Amen.